You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. Signal to Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their new line of Pro Studio headphones and the A131 and the A133 large diaphragm studio condenser mics at audixusa.com. I know, Michael, the podcast is the same time every night. I, I get it. I get it. Oh, you want me to read it? Okay, hang on one second. I think I have it laying right here. Oh, it's right here in this pile of bills. Um, Alan and Heath has asked us to read this. We frequently ask ourselves, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? But we think it's clear that the real question, what the heck is a woodchuck? And more importantly, do they know any good taco places around here? I'll do the intro. I don't even know what the intro is, bro. <laughs> don't surprise me like that. I'm just sitting here chilling, looking at my old iPhotos. It's been a long time. You say just to say, you know, welcome back. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I remember. Welcome back okay. to the Signal to Noise podcast. My name is Kyle Churnside. Glad to be one of your co-hosts. I'm joined by Chris Leonard and <laughs> Michael Lawrence. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, we have some housekeeping to take care of tonight, for sure. So I'll wow, let... we're off to a, with a to a tantalizing start here. Oh, on this episode. sorry. How are you guys doing? <laughs> well, Kyle, what's the coolest thing you have within arm's reach? Oh shit! So you forgot about the game already? No, I didn't forget. All right, I have a Bigfoot monster truck RC car. Uh, it's coming. It's big. There it is. It's big. Oh. Wow, that is big. Yeah, it's pretty. Dead. Is that remote controlled? Yeah. And it does it is it battery or, or like yeah it's a Traxxas dude it's okay it's not four wheel cool. drive but it's a it's a beast it's fun it's That's definitely neat. fun fun Chris what do you got um, well I have um, this blue box right now <laughs> it's just like an apple box it's an apple box that you stand it's on? an apple yeah. box but the importance of this box is um, Sasha Obama. Um, stood on this at Obama's first inauguration when they were swearing in. So, do you do you sit on it to get you up to proper camera? No, I, I'm six that... foot two. I don't need that. But um, <laughs> it's it's a cool box because it was made specially for her for the inauguration, and she was too short uh, for because she was only like I don't know maybe six years old or, or whatever when Obama's first inauguration. And the camera's shots couldn't see her over, like, the presidential glass and, like, all this stuff. And so there was a um, military, uh, I don't know what branch uh, uh, person, whose sole job was to, right before he got sworn in, was to, like, very officially, like, walk out with his box, set it in place. She walks up and she stands on it. And so she can be, like, almost head height with, like, the rest of the family. And so we're loading out. Um, and I was like, hmm. I think I might still... commandeer that box, and so I still have this box, and my goal is to basically hold on to this and not talk about it publicly. I mean, I know I am now. Uh, yeah, you kind of blew it the whole secret. Bro. Yeah, yeah, but um, <laughs> until like the whole like statute limitations have passed, which I, I think it's probably passed at this point. I mean, that was like two thousand and 
uh, I, I think it'd be considered petty theft because it's 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 just plywood. Yeah, but it's got so it's but like but, but the carpet that's on it is like it, there's a special presidential blue that they use for the inauguration. So like if anyone wanted to verify, they could verify this is the right carpet. Uh, and I have pictures of her standing on it. You should take it on uh, the go to go to Pawn Stars. Right. I mean, no, I, I plan. I want to donate it either back to like the Obama Library or to somewhere at some point. Um, but I'm saving it for like a rainy day of being able to do that. Oh, but so yeah. this is my biggest souvenir from quite possibly one of the largest gigs I've ever done in my life. Um, so yeah, that's what I got. Okay, it's good. Uh, my mine is this this thing, the uh, string that's on the end of your hoodie has a little plastic uh, kind of wrap on the on the very end, which is called an aglet. I don't know if anybody knows this is the thing that's at the end of the shoelace. It's called an aglet. And the significance of that is that I just, uh, when I sat down here at my desk to start recording, I moved in such a way as to propel the aglet straight into my right eye. <laughs> oh, uh, it's a little red. I can see, see it's it. All, it's all red, and it, it burns really bad. So uh, anyway, um, Chris, tell everybody about the what we got in store for the 100th episode. Oh, I was ready for the mentorship. I wasn't ready for a hundredth, but okay. Okay. I mean, look, we got. Here's the thing: we got some cool stuff going on. We do. On. We, have we have so cool much going, going on. on. So, all right, we could talk about the hundredth. So, hundredth episode okay. uh, will be May eighth. Ironically, Cinco de Mayo. No, no, that would May fifth. May fifth. May fifth. Cinco de Mayo. Damn, Kyle. Uh, this is what we have, Kyle. He, see, not only does he fix my written copy, he fixes my verbal copy as well. So you're being edited in, in real, real time. time in real time, there yeah. it is. So uh, May fifth, Cinco de Mayo, eight p.m. Eastern. We will have a live stream that's going to be seven p.m. Kyle time. Yes, will be loaded with a bunch of fun things. Um, the least of which is just us kind of bantering and talking about reminiscing about. All the shit that's happened in the last, you know, year, two years, whatever, right? Special guest. Special guest. Well, Mike Green's on a, um, a um, oh, multiple special guests. Oh, yeah, sorry, Mike, Mike Green, our, our our resident musician here at the Signal Noise yes. Podcast, is going to be closing out the stream with a exclusive performance, yes. uh, which is it's always a blast. He's to he's, to he's Mike premiering play. a new song too, right? Premiering a new song. That's right. Me um, too. We only know one. Another another special guest. Our very first guest ever on the Signal Noise podcast, Mr. Jimmy Akabuski, um, is going to be joining us. And, Which uh, that he's also going to tie into our next housekeeping, but we'll we'll hold off on that in just one second. Okay. Um, we have prizes. We we love we, we aspired like Kyle likes to be Joe Rogan. We want to be Oprah, right? Like you get a prize, you get yeah. a prize, right? So um, we're giving away a copy of Mike Green's album along with a shirt. Uh, signed copy. Oh, signed copy. There you go. Yeah, um, yeah. How do you sign a digital download? He, it's a CD. He mailed it to me. It's in my shop oh, here. Okay, we should change the copy on the. Um... Well, it's both. You're gonna get. You'll get okay, both. Cool. So anyway, it's evolving. You know, it's evolving <laughs> as we speak, man. So um, uh... we get a uh, Ethan Weiner's book, The Audio Expert, which signed copy. Uh, signed copy. Man, we're signing everything. We're signing. You know. Well, I'm not. I'm not signing oh, okay. anything. All right. he, he's yeah. Can, can I have Kyle sign it? Duh. Uh, if he, I, I suppose. Oh, okay. All right. yeah. I mean, he's the audio expert, so I figured he would sign it. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> um, Audix has given us, uh, or given somebody, a, a bundle. We'll get two ADX uh, 51 pencil condenser microphones, um, an i5 mic, a D6 mic, a yeah, A133 large diaphragm studio condenser wow. mic, and a set of A150 headphones, which we all have as well and love. They're yeah. good stuff. 
one of the most that's a nice bundle. One of the I most comfortable headphones I've ever worn, actually. And yeah. I'm not just saying I, that because I, they're a sponsor. I'm I, seriously, they're comfortable. I, I I mix with them. I think they're great. Um, I I don't own an actual good drum mic bundle. I have like the crappy dollar store one. And if, I think if when I finally break down and buy an actual drum mic bundle, it's going to be an Audix drum mic bundle because I, I like those mics. They they're they're pretty cool. And this is crazy. Uh, you know, um, Alan and Heath is giving away an yep. SQ5 console. Like, yep. The whole console, crazy. not just the dust yeah, cover. Yeah, not, like yep. not just a channel, a dust cover, not a sticker, a console. Anyway, so all of That's these That's like great... a car. That's like the price of a car. That's like insane. I don't know if, I don't, I don't I mean, know if it's... You know, well, like maybe so. a maybe used car. beater, you know, you know oh. five-mile trip car. But anyway, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not diminishing the console. I'm just saying, like, what's... what's, what's Perspective. Kyle, are you in? Are you in the process of removing your shirt, or is there a cat under your shirt? Or no, what's I'm scratching right my chest. Okay, all right. So yeah, we have a lot of really cool prizes. Uh, is there more? Well, no, I was signaltonoisepodcast.com, and there's a yeah. button across the yeah. top that says "hundredth giveaway." Make sure you go there to enter. We already have over 300 entries, so make sure you get your name in the hat. Um, okay. And only once, though, please don't sign up six times. Yes, yes, but. Um, yeah, so all, didn't have to say that, but, it's all good. but apparently I do have to say that. If, so. you, if you enter more than once, it's not going to help you, so it'll only just be more annoying for our inbox. That's all, it's, it's, but it's yeah. okay. Yeah. We appreciate everyone already jumping on this. We have some time. You have 34 days, 27 minutes, and 38 seconds according to the counter right now. There's a cool wow. counter. Thank you, Sam Clark, for the counter on the uh, on the, on the the page yeah. there. So. so head over to the website, check out the uh the giveaways we got we're and, and thank you again to to audix and alan heath and mike and ethan for putting up some really cool prizes we really appreciate Best it and sponsors I, ever we plan on yeah. giving away some singleton noise noise singleton noise podcast um swag uh sweatshirts cups t-shirts something but those are going to be for only for those who tune in live so that's going to be exclusive for those who tune in live uh so make sure you come 8 p.m eastern may 5th We'll be here. It's like the when you do the fifty fifty raffle at your church garage sale or whatever. You know what I mean? You gotta, gotta be, gotta be there to win. Gotta be there. Yeah. So we should do clarification. You don't have to be there to win the other prizes. Uh, disclaimer: uh, We probably should speed this speech up to make it sound like radio. Those are the disclaimers. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. So there. And final housekeeping item. Also something that that I'm really excited about. Uh, we're sort of formalizing the signal to noise mentorship program. Uh, we have a nice graphic now, and actually, actually, we looked it up. What do you have to do to formalize it? And they just said make a nice graphic. It, we have two graphics. I have ro- two ro- graphics, rotating graphics. Actually, yeah. yep, yep. So we got some graphics. We have a form you can fill out with your information, what you're interested in, topic-wise, if you want to be a mentor or a mentee, and it goes into our magical database, uh, which is powered by a thousand typing monkeys behind the scenes. It's actually just uh, me and Chris sorting through the entries. Big shout out to Sam Zuckerman for putting the form together Sam, for us. Sam, 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 Sam. Sam, Sam and Sam, Sam, as Sam. of recording, uh, we have 67 entries of either yep. mentors or mentees. Yep. And the parlay that I was given there of our first guest is um, Jim Yak is signed up to be a mentor. And if I read it correctly, he's offered to be like a mentor to like five people. So, or yeah. something like that. Or we'll give them a lot. Can't, can't do much better than that. <laughs> if you want to learn about mixing, uh, we're talking about, we have Chad Oleg signed up to mentor some people for, for tour management, uh, production management stuff. I know that he's already getting hooked up with some people. Um, it's been really, really cool. I have to tell you, you know, obviously, we all know there's no surprise here, right? So, not too many people interested in system engineering side of things. Um, 
but we did see a couple for that, and I and I actually thirteen point four percent currently of the people who have entered, which is larger than some of the others. It's actually mm-hmm. tied with monitors. Forty seven point yep. eight people want to talk about front of house, and then you know, so it's yep. up there. Yeah, and shout out to Daniel Liston Keller from Get It In Writing. Uh, you know, uh, if, for people who aren't familiar, there's a very small number of uh, organizations that handle uh, technical writing copy for all of the audio industry, all the trade magazines, a lot of the the product copy, the marketing stuff. That's all done by a relatively small group of people. Daniel's company does a lot of that stuff. He's a great guy. Um, if you're interested in that side of things, that's a great person to connect to. You also connect with us. Obviously, we're we're hooked up with Proson Web and and uh, do a lot of, of that stuff with them. So. You know, whatever you're interested in, whether it's marketing stuff, whether it's product management stuff, whether it's tour management, whether it's mixing monitors, let us know. We'll get you hooked up with somebody. And um, it's really cool. I dig it, man. I have to tell you, and I've said this before, but, you know, I really look forward to that time every week that I have set up with with my people to just sit down and, hey, what's on your mind? What are you talking about? You know, and, and, and sometimes sometimes there are specific questions that they want to talk about. Sometimes it's like... Hey, let me show you uh, what I did this week, right. and let's talk about the decisions I made and why I did it that way, and and what you might want to do differently. And and I do enjoy it, and I look forward to it. So uh, it's it's a good thing. Yeah, man. and I mean, I want to give props to Kyle because Kyle was technically the one yep. who initiated this. So uh-huh. our our Facebook golf clap, golf clap. Um, the other housekeeping yep. is that our our Facebook group, which is over two thousand people now. Um, uh, feel free to join there. There's all these links are in the in the description. Uh, we also have a Discord group, but our fa- uh, Facebook group has like this like mentorship, um, not plugin, but like feature that you can add on to it. And so Kyle has started that, and that's where we kind of started this mentorship thing. And then it's grown outside of that in the Discord, and, and we're trying to unify that into one place. So this is still a work in progress. We're, we've we have a form to collect everybody's names. We now have to find a, a means by which to kind of match everybody. And so if you sign up, just be patient. We're we're going to work on trying to assign people we're just rolling it we're yeah. rolling a dice yeah all it is that being said no, if you if you're mentoring with me uh matthew gale um who else brian dodson aaron lan marty jeffrey elliot clark tom fabian fabian i'm sorry i wow, probably a, just what a list, bro. and and i got good, a, i got a few other ones uh paris drake um I know we talk every once in a while but if you could go and sign into that forum i'll probably send you a message too um it's super fun. It really is. Like, uh, you know me. Like, don't email or text me. Don't. I'm just going to send you my phone number, and we're going to talk, <laughs> and it's going to be awesome. And I think everyone that I'm working with now knows that. Like, um, it it's way more enjoyable to actually, like, have a conversation with these folks because doing it over messaging or email, there's so many questions and answers that come as you're answering or as you're questioning so the contact is super easy i'm having a blast man like and and let's say too because i agree with you but we're also asking on the forum what's your preferred method of contact so you can put email you can say text me call me um and and uh you know one thing i've learned through this is that different people have different levels of comfort with with how they're most comfortable communicating and and we've talked about it before Picking up that phone and calling somebody can be pretty intimidating, man. That can be difficult. So, you know, we're trying to set it up so everyone's as comfortable as they can be, and 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 you get hooked up with someone and, and learn stuff. So I think it's. I want to really think that I'm approachable, Michael. I want to think. I, I think you're very approachable. You know, it, it's funny. I um, M- Michael passed a name on to me uh, of a guy 
who was you know looking to find his way into touring or whatever and uh it's funny his um email response or text response was like oh man like i you know I can't believe you know you're making time to talk to you, and I'm like, look, I'm just another dude who wants to talk audio. Like we and we ain't got shit going on right now, anyway. So. Well, I'm, I mean, I got like going on, but I, I'm just saying, like, Chris it's, has everything going yeah, on. Yeah, Chris right is now. Chris is international man. No, but but I let's I, I think we have already helped within our industry break down this barrier of you know just be you know just because you hear the names of like Pooch, Raybol, Ryan or John, you know, Jamie Anderson, you know, like. You know, uh, Kyle Turnside. People, yeah, yeah. Well, there, the gonna... barrier to entry in terms of yeah. communication lines of of people being willing to help. Uh, it's 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 not hard. It's sim- typically simply just reaching out, and you're going to get through. It's, so, it's give a shit. Yes, that's it. Yeah, can't and, teach. And give I'm going to call out. I'm going to call out my buddy David Williams, who we had on on the show recently. Yeah, on Alex Arudi. That was fun. Um, He's been out here uh, with me. We've been working on a couple things together lately. We went and tuned an arena, which is kind of fun. But um, he said, you know what? I really am interested in, because he's younger, he says, I'm really interested in kind of the history of audio. He says, I really want to get hooked up more with what Chris is doing on his How We Got Loud thing. Um, and he said something about, oh, that'll give me an excuse to call. Oh, yeah, he had a question about uh, your side hangs on uh, Bow Wow. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Fine. Yeah, and he said... Uh, That'll give me an excuse to, to reach out to Chris. I said, you don't need an excuse to reach out to Chris. Just call Chris. Just email Chris. Just talk to him. Like, it, you know, I, I don't I, I don't think any of us have, like, maybe Kyle does, have a handler, right? Uh, so, so right, for the record on the Bow Wow stuff, hold on. So the, the hangs on Bow Wow, first off, like, that mm, that picture from You're that gonna one. You're going to give it away? No, 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 hold on. Because I think I don't, no, no, it's, I don't care. I don't, whatever. We, you guys were apparently you're infatuated with the fact that I toured with Bow Wow multiple times. I don't know what. I think you don't understand the gravity of that landmark. Okay, is what I think. Sure. Um, <laughs> Why don't you? You didn't steal an Apple box from Bow Wow. No, but uh, so I used to have. We used to have a gimmick every night on one of the tours where uh, a cheap pyro trick or sort of pyro trick was he cheap pyro is my my least favorite kind of. Pyro well, no, no, no. It, it was safe. It was safe. Hold on, hold on. It was safe. Um, so like the stage set was like um uh like an alleyway or a street like a street city like there was like a fire hydrant like a street lamp there was a dumpster you know which is like this vibe right um the dumpster was a thing where like the back hole there's a back part of a cutout and at one point like the start of the show or whatever like bow wow comes like jumping out of the dumpster right and so my cue every night was i had a fire extinguisher every night and i was sitting inside that dumpster and when he jumped out i'd unload the whole fire extinguisher as he flips open the top of the dumpster and it would you know you know it it basically like cheap co2 you know that that effect um and we would on loadout we would have to uh, discharge well i don't know if we had to we chose to we would discharge all the fire extinguishers every night and so we'd Run around chasing each other with fire extinguishers every night. Like everyone's wearing shorts for the tour. He's like shooting each other with the shorts. But um, um, no, the, don't so do that. Kids. The side yeah, hangs. Do that. Um, for the record, that was like my second tour, um, and I barely knew how to fly PA at that time. Uh, and I, I'll never forget my the f- first stop, like rehearsals of that tour. We were in um, like Chicago at the Rose was it the Rosemont, whatever the. Um, Whatever the the Kyle, what's the arena that's out in Chicago that's more out towards like um, the airport? Is it UIC? There is Rosemont. Rosemont. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a mall right there and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
And the, the Giordano's. I'm going to call out the guys I was touring <laughs> with. So uh, Michael Loon and Will Miller uh, were like, ha, we're going to, like, it's a sink or swim type of thing. Like, we're going to, like, Chris is going to go fly stage right, main side hangs, side fills, flown side fills, all this stuff. We're going to, we're the experienced guys, we're going to go fly stage left. And, like, we're going to make him sweat. It's local too. It's his, like, second tour, first time flying in an arena type of thing. Uh, and, but the, the what it did is over the tour, like, it, it got to be a race or like by towards the end of the tour, like I was starting to beat them. Like I was getting better at flying, yeah. running the crew, but like, I'm this young, dumb kid. I was like 19 years old, uh, you know, getting eaten alive by IATSE, uh, and having to just make it happen. Um, in terms of what I was doing in terms of placement, I don't know what the fuck I was doing. I was just asking them and they're telling me where to go. So I, I'm not on, in terms of that tour. I know I'm spoiling it, but I'm not gonna be able to good, much good advice. And nor do I know if that was the best placement, um, but that's that's the bow wow thing. So, well, there we go. There's uh, it was funny because I guess the whatever box that is, I want to say is very Vertex forty eight eighty nine. So I guess there's no horizontal pr- way to predict the horizontal coverage of that in the in the in the modeling. Uh, uh, yeah, there is. is oh, there? oh, no, 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 horizontal. No, 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 it's not. Yeah, no, it's yeah. it's all. So t- he was t- like, t- how did they figure that out? Uh, like, actually, yeah, well, there was math to it. So we did have a CAD that was drawn from a top down view. There was some thought placed into it. Um, yeah, it wasn't just like, ah, we're gonna, we're gonna place it here. So there definitely was some thought to it. Uh, we didn't definitely didn't do any modeling ahead of time. Again, this is, uh, 2004, 2005. Um, most, li- hang and bang. Yeah. Most line yeah. array programs at that time weren't doing 3d, even El acoustic and stuff at the time weren't doing 3d. It was all 2d based. And at that point, JBL's line array calculator was in Excel. It wasn't even like a program. Right. It was all macros in Excel. Bernie Broderick was telling me when we were, I want to say we were at USITT a couple years ago, he was telling me about the uh, the VDOSC uh, mm-hmm. autosplay algorithm, you know, that was just, it was just iterations in Excel, and he said you could just sit there and watch it go through. Yep. I was like, man, that's so cool, you know, and, and that's another thing that people going forward have no idea, because now you click a button and it or, goes, plop, here's your angle. Not to mention you know the I mean? acoustic stuff, you only have like four different angles to choose from. Um, they were, you had like, these little solid bars with chain links on the ends and it was like yeah. a three degree, a five degree, or I forget what the degrees were. It wasn't like infinite degrees between zero and 10. It was like four, three different ones. You had to have a whole trunk full of this hardware. It wasn't attached to the box. Um, that, I remember that's that. what, that's what made Vertex. So regardless of people want to think about the sound of it, um, they took the lessons learned from VDOS, quite frankly, in terms of ex- execution, in terms of flying. And at the time, Vertec, when it came out, was the best line array to fly because of how fast and easy it was to deploy. So, yeah. I'm a little fired up tonight. Yeah, oh, man. That's cool, man. Yeah, I dig it. I dig the enthusiasm. I am slow. I am slow tonight. It's been it's a long okay. week already. Kyle, if you were in Chris's situation, 19 years old, your first tour, you're trying to, trying to sort out what's going on, and you had a mentor, like that, that, kind of the relationship that you have with, with the people you're with now, I mean, what kind of stuff would you be asking that person? Holy cow. Um, endless at that point, you know, how much should I get paid? You know, mm-hmm. what am I going to do after this thing is over? I always ask the super... <laughs> long-term questions that have nothing to do about audio at first, you know. But at, hopefully... at 19, would you have been asking those questions? 
I owned a PA when I was 15, dude. Oh, sorry. I, I, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, I had some VDOS training at that point. Or not VDOS, but uh, JBL training at that point, you know. Uh, I don't think I. you had to do training before you went out on that oh, thing, right? Oh, okay, yeah. I, I. It wasn't the first time I'd ever flown PA. I mean, that wasn't the case. It was the first time I'd done touring, you know, arena work. I had, it was, uh, Bow Wow Tour was my second tour. The first tour was, like, in theaters, like Fox and, and stuff like that type of theaters. Um, Dude, that's awesome that you were doing arena tours at 19. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was I'm thinking very I was too cool I'm for school. Very like, I was doing bad metal bands and hardcore bands for ever you know and house gigs like and that that's where i learned a lot was the house gigs because like i said it wasn't a thing to have a mentor you know mm -hmm. um yeah. a lot of people didn't want to give up the ghost you know and things have changed and now there's classes and stuff i mean i, I like to stay away from the curriculum because um i think that's better left to someone else that can articulate the curriculum of, of audio better than I can. But definitely things that revolve around life. Like, think of the life lessons you learned on that first tour, Chris. Like, mm. at 19 years old, are you kidding me? You probably saw things that you would never thought you'd see before. Like, that that is mind-numbing. And being gone from home that long at 19? Holy cow. Like, that's not like going to college where you're surrounding yourself with a bunch of new kids, that's a bunch of professionals that are like busting ass. Yeah. And, and school hard knocks. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's huge. And if, if I had a mentor back then, what would I ask him? Yeah, definitely just like life questions. Like which way do my feet face on the bus? Like, why can't I poop in the toilet? Like, um, <laughs> what, I think, what does the driver do during the day? Like, yeah. Yeah. I think hindsight for myself, looking back, um, you know, this guy I worked with, Will Miller, which we've had him on the podcast. I don't remember which episode number. Um, it's all at, blur. Yeah. At the time, I wouldn't have considered him a mentor. It's more of me looking back now and going, he was my mentor. So, um, yeah. So something I would challenge is to people is you might not realize who your mentors are until you're two, three years into that relationship with that person. Um, yeah. so it's more about, we preach this all the time of just mindset of asking questions, you know, uh, uh, the give a shit type of thing. Um, yeah. and people will notice that and feed into you because they see it worthy to feed into you because they know you're going to go somewhere or you're being eager and then you'll realize the fruits of it being a mentor. I think we're trying to be proactive and kind of push people in that direction of mentorship, but I, I found that my mentors in the past were not necessarily people I, I seeked, sought, sought out. Um, it was more of a uh, retrospective looking back on, oh, yeah, I consider this person a mentor. I consider this person a mentor because I was already being aggressive. Just I wasn't, I hadn't yeah. had the mindset of, of, of mentorship at the time. That makes sense, you know, because I used to go to the local music store. And I'd bring my CS1000 or 800, nice. and I learned what the little can in the back did. You know, I had a three-way PA, and I wasn't crossing anything over. Like, that was mind-blowing. So I guess any kind of information that I picked up, they could have been my mentor, you know? Mm -hmm. And I always worked closely with someone else. I never got thrown into a gig where it was like, well, I take that back. I did get thrown into a gig where it was like, all right, kid, you're, <laughs> you work Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You get... 25 bucks a night go for it um 
but yeah, I guess you do start kind of picking up information here and there, but a, a lot of upbringing, I'm, I'm sure for you too, Chris, with your dad is just like trial and error, live and learn. Like you stuck with your, your pops. Your dad was probably your mentor at some point. hundred percent. Absolutely. He was. Yeah. That's got to be different, Chris, being immersed in it at even a family level because you didn't have to do the whole thing where you have to convince your parents that it's a job. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because it's just that's part of the the culture of your family. Because I think in, in, inherently it was a it, it was a it was a passion thing for me mm. from the age of when I could – I know I always use a joke because I, I could walk. Yes, I know it wasn't that young. But, you know, from the time that I even knew what my dad was doing in terms of doing sound – I intrinsically wanted to pursue that. So it wasn't it wasn't my dad like saying, "Hey, come on, hey, we have to get these cases in the, in the in a station wagon this weekend." It was, you know, I was eagerly looking forward to every weekend of putting the gear in the back of a station wagon because I wanted to just do nothing but that. So yeah, it's definitely a slightly different path I guess than some. I think it's you know, what came to mind when you're talking about your dad teaching you stuff is you know i i remember that when i was in my mid-teens and interested in this stuff then it's sort of like you have to then figure out how to get access to it whatever that is so drama club at your high school or go hang out at the shop at a local production company and, and let you know let me resolder your cables like like you know how do i get to be immersed in this and that's easier for some people than others. If you have to work to support your family, you don't have time to go on the weekends and hang out at the shop, right? So, so I'm just thinking from a, a point where your your father was doing that, and you were tagging along, you know, where it was just probably something that you were just exposed to your whole life. Um, and and I I I think this is a question that I don't think we've ever talked about on the show, and I can't believe we've never talked about it on the show. I want to learn. I want to talk about the the dream gig. If you could have any gig, what gig would you want? Mm. So it's funny. Like, I uh, <laughs> when I when I was younger, um, you know, again going back to putting the gear in the back of a station wagon with my dad. Right, the story I've been telling. I've been telling this with how we got loud. Is that um. My connection with the Jackson Brown is Jackson Brown has this song, Load Out, Stay, right? He talks about, you know, the roadies, mm. you know, um, taking down the stage around him. And that's not actually a fictitious story, as I've been talking to people like Dirk Schubert and others. Like, legitimately, people, they, the, they, the tours were tearing shit down around Jackson Brown as he was still playing his piano, right? Anyway, my dad and I would sit there and we would dream or talk about oh man it would be so cool to be like be on a tour bus and go do all this stuff because my dad never did the whole touring thing he just did the regional rock band thing you know weekend warrior um did the church thing or whatever right and so w when i got the chance to go touring um with with msi and stuff you know my whole goal was like i just want to go on tour right yeah. and then okay now i was on tour it's like okay now i want to be now what? I want, well, well yeah and it was like <laughs> I, I wanted to be you know i want to be um i grew into wanting to be a monitor engineer on tour and I did a couple of tours, and it's like, well, shit. I haven't thought past the point of like, yep, I've I'm I'm an established air quotes here established monitor engineer. Like I have people requesting me. Okay, now right. what? I I and I've tossed that around, um, and 
I had a hard time for a bit of knowing, and I still to this point of like, what what does that future look like in terms of what would be the dream gig? And to me, I, I, I don't know. I've never been able to define that because it's like I've just wanted to, when I was touring, um, just do the best that I could at the time. Like, in other words, uh, actually, I was thinking about this listening to this, the episode that just came out today, um, was the feedback that I got uh, – uh, was it Alex, right, was the, uh, our, our guest? Yeah. Um, yep. He mentioned that, like, the artist that he worked with, uh, that 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 any monitor engineer who had ever worked with that artist had never come to them after the show and asked them how things went. And mm. and when he said that, I was like, what? What? That was, like, the first thing I did as a monitor engineer. And I'll never forget the moment, um, I mean, again, we're talking about, like, highlights in career, is I got to work with Tears for Fears, Right. Um, this is an artist who, you know, like their peak album came out the year I was born, right? Like I, I don't deserve to be their monitor engineer right now, you know, type, type of thing in terms of, of level of work I've done versus where they are. Um, and I had a little bit of imposter syndrome going into rehearsals. Like I don't deserve to be here. What am I doing? Um, I know these guys have been on in-ears since like the eighties, since like in-ears first came out. Like these guys were always on the bleeding edge of that. And here I am. I've, um, like I'm a nobody in monitor world. We do our first show. Uh, we're up in Seattle up at, uh, um, uh, oh shit, there's a winery up in Chateau Michaud or something like that up by the Mount St. Helens area. Um, and I go to the dressing room after the show. I, I, I go to collect my inner packs and I check with Kurt. Um, and I'm like, hey, you know, how did the show go? And uh, he's like, that was the best show we've ever had. And that it that that right there is probably one of the best feedbacks I've ever had in my life. Here I am at the time was still only I don't know mid twenties. These guys have been on in ears since since you know since in ears came out um, and. I was the best show they ever had, you know, like, is there an element there of like something that it comes up a lot when you talk about musicians, the artists that are important to people, people talk about like how much that artist has influenced their life or how much, you know, they've given them is, is, you know, the phrase that we would use. So if you're able to sort of give back even a little bit to an artist that you respect and is important to you, I mean, that's gotta be a satisfying, you know, just, just to know that you've actually materially affected them in a positive way. Yeah. I mean, like he didn't have to say that. I mean, look, could he have been saying to be nice? Maybe, um, knowing him now, I think he was genuine in saying that, um, he, he, he didn't have a reason to fluff me up. Like that wasn't like, you know, there's, it doesn't behoove him to, to, to give me that type of compliment without being sincere about it. Did you feel like you had had a good show? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was a mix of nerves. I mean, you know. Sure. Um, but you weren't like, oh, that was a shit show. I just got my ass fried. No, like, no, no, no. Okay. Um, and um, and so, like, after that point, it's like, well, shit. Like, what's what what would be next? And like, I, you know, it's very hard to rank artists in terms of like this this band's the pinnacle of touring because there's there's genre specific there's there's stylistic specific sure, things sure. like that, that that i don't know how you you don't necessarily rank those types of things and no i'm just saying that that one artist that's really important to you or you know it's the same thing that i ask people who don't do this job which is if I could give you a free ticket to see any anybody you want in concert, who would it be? I'm asking the same question, only yeah. you get to mix. Well, <laughs> right? so, hold on. So this actually goes into uh, Ryan or John had asked. Um, you know, we had posted questions about 
things tonight. He's like, if if you were offered to go out on one tour post COVID and could pick any artist that exists yeah. right now, assuming all aspects of the gigs are equal, which would you pick? And I wrestle with that comment for the same reason we just talked about. It. It's like mm. I sure. I don't know, like. Um, just because I like listening to an artist doesn't necessarily that's going to be going to correlate to Chris. I think you're overthinking it. What does your heart tell you, Chris? What are you feeling? <laughs> my heart tells me my 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 gut reaction Just on that gut comment reaction, was yes. Rage Against the Machine. Okay, there you go. See, that's cool, man. That's cool. Um, but um, yeah. So it's I've wrestled with that, like what, especially because now I've gone through such a transition of. Of here I am. I I toured for seven years, which it's tough. In one aspect, that's like a lifetime for some people in touring, and other people, that's a blink of an right. eye, right? right. Um, although I was very fortunate to, get to do a lot in a short amount of time. Uh, and for those who know my story, whatever I, you know, I, I made a career career move. Although I don't consider a career move, it was a life move for my wife, but that's beside the point. And family. Um, and I've been in corporate for the last 10 years and I've been the audio director of a corporate production company. And now here I am, I'm the operations manager. I'm, I've been slowly removing myself in some ways from audio and it's been a tough thing to wrestle with of like, what does the future look like for me in terms of quote unquote air quotes, rock and roll and music. Um, I don't know. Uh, and so retrospectively or introspectively or whatever my wrestle is you have to just i don't want to call it carpe diem or whatever like you seize the moment like you know there there are there's going to be periods within your life within your time frame that are going to be just the pinnacles of those periods right sure um yeah i'm not going back to touring anytime soon with unless i want to walk away from my family which i don't um and so to me it's the pinnacle of what I can do right now connected to this industry is what I'm doing with how we got loud. Right. And, mm -hmm. and, and so I can focus my energies there, but that's, um, so if, I, I guess back to your original question of, 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 of the dream gig, um, to me, and this is what I was talking about to one of the guys you passed on to me was like, figure out what gives you the most, and actually I was talking to Dirk Schubert about this. What brings you the most satisfaction uh, or enjoyment mm -hmm. of what you're doing. And th this isn't like just like, uh, you know, what feels good. You know what I mean? But like, what? sorry, fulfillment is the right word, not not satisfaction. Yes. Fulfillment is the right yeah. word. I know it's semantics there. But like, why do we do what we do? You know, and, yeah. you know, I was challenging him of like, well, do you want to, because he was asking like, well, how do I break into the touring business? I'm like, well, what do you want to do in the touring business? Do you want to be this A-level rock and roll touring engineer? Or are you cool being a system tech? What is going to give you the most fulfillment through that? Um, right. And it, the pinnacle is not because you were on an A-class tour that has 18 semis, 14 buses, uh, and was doing stadiums. That doesn't equal pinnacle. That just happens to be the gig you did that year. You know, mm -hmm. The pinnacle for some people could be fucking slaying it in the local house of blues as a system tech as every engineer comes yeah. through, and they can't wait to get to your system because you nailed it in that house. That could or be the scale pinnacle. it down. I'm doing I'm doing some shows coming up for uh, PJ Farley, he, who's in Trickster. Um, and I found out I talked to Jim Yak the other day. Jim Yak was monitor engineer for Trickster when they were uh, supporting Striper in like 1989. So that's fun. He's like, oh yeah, tell PJ I said hey. So um, 
PJ's really cool. I've worked with him in the past. It's it's just me and PJ in a little venue, and I'm everything. I'm system tech monitors, front of house, like basically production, like making sure that thing happens. It's me and PJ, right? So that is a level of fulfillment that you can't get, a different type of fulfillment that you can't get on a 12-truck tour because your scope is so narrowed on a big tour to do this specific job. Like, you know, to kind of be like, hey, man, it's you and me, and we're going to give these people a good show tonight. And to be involved at that level is cool in in a very different way. Um, but before we get to that, Kyle Turnside, I want to hear about your dream gig. Uh. I'd have to do like Chris did, the younger version of me or the version of me now. Um, dream gig, I'm pretty much doing. I'm just dad. I'm dad at home. Like, mm-hmm. um, I never knew how cool that was, you know, yeah. until I started having kids around and I was home and able to do that. You know, I toured for 20, 20 some odd years, man. Like, I did it. I'm blessed. I did. I don't know if I necessarily did every band that I wanted to do, but I definitely saw every place I've ever wanted to see. Um, I've made tons of friends. So the younger version of me would have said Slayer uh, <laughs> right off the bat. Like uh, I think Slayer pretty much ruled my life until my mid-20s or something. Um, then I would have said, you know, maybe a classic artist. I don't even know. Like, but here, here's the interesting thing I found is, um, and I'm curious in how you would think about this. What would bring you the fulfillment out of that? Would it be just, would it be the fact that you like, would it be the actual art of mixing them or just the fact of the connection with them because you love the music? Because there's two different things there. there yeah, I've, totally. I've found that for instance, I'm wearing, I, I you know, this is band Emory, Emory, that I, yeah. Emory that I like, right? You just worked. You went to go see him. Or well, I, I did a show with them in oh shit, uh, beginning twenty twenty. Actually, probably the. <laughs> yeah, I remember you talking about yeah, it? Yeah. Right, yeah. and uh, it's an interesting thing, right? Like I love listening to them. Actually, one of their guitarist, Matt Carter, is one of my. He's actually a mentor of mine in the podcasting world and just overall thinking side of things. Um, and I love their music, all the stuff, right? And then I got the chance to mix them. Don't get me wrong; it was a ton of fun to mix a show. But at the same time, just because it might be one of my favorite artists to listen to, I actually don't know if I would enjoy a full tour of that. I would enjoy the emotional connection to the audience and audience and band portion of that tour. From a mixing element, I would much rather go do a funk show um, or something that actually I have some dynamics to move, but just straight up metal rock in your face in a club. That environment's fun to be a vibe off of, but that's not. It's tough, though. It's not it's a tough environment. Great mixing. Yeah. So yeah. it depends. Again, goes back to that fulfillment. What is you know, and mm-hmm. you can be fulfilled by that environmental connection, energy. Great, cool. But if I'm talking about, I want to get my rocks off on mixing. I'm gonna go to R and B and funk. You know, when you got to mix horns and organ and and all these vocals and all this stuff, like that's where you're getting into all of this stuff. So it goes back to me, like, or challenging people, like, in chasing what's going to fulfill you. I've mentioned Fumi 10,000 times now. Yeah. He kills it at Flying PA. That fulfills him. That's totally fucking cool and fine, you know? So it's, I know I'm derailing here, but. No, it's cool. Um, 
I would say, you know, for me, I, I think of like, you know, music that's important to me because I think, you know, I don't think most of us do this for a love of doing longhand FFTs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we love music. That's why we do this. Um, and so I'm thinking about the music that was important to me when I was growing up that made me decide that I want to be involved in that experience of having a live event and how spe people remember concerts for their entire lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, you're talking about people's weddings and, and you know, birth of their children and concerts. And it's a very small upper echelon of things that people carry with them for their entire life. Yeah. And, and so it's a very special thing that we get to, to work on and to be part of that. And it's very, it's, it, it's sacred in a way. And it's very important to me. So I think about the music that makes me want to do that. And it gives me that kind of experience that it's fulfilling to me to, to, you know, music that makes me, you know, have the feels or whatever you want to call it. You know, music, music that's important to me or was important to me. Number three, I'm gonna give you top three. Okay. We're gonna do like mini cracked here. Number three, five iron frenzy. I would love to mix a five iron show. There's like so much stuff going on and you know, uh, you will never find me at a Christian rock festival uh ever unless <laughs> unless for some reason i end up working with five iron but that just seems like you know that i remember when i was really young and my my older cousin had come over and he had a cd walkman you remember did it and, have the yeah. anti-skip because that was fucking cool no it like was it. before it didn't oh. even have that that was before they invented the whole buffer idea oh, real quick and hold on put, well the anti-skip okay. thing fucking you know squirrel thing here um I'll never forget. I was in Boy Scouts. We were like on a retreat up in like some mountain somewhere, and and one of the one of the guys he had uh, he had a, a discman, and he's like, check this out, he, right? And he's playing it, playing it, playing it, and like opens it up, pulls the disc out, and you still hear it because it was like 180 <laughs> whatever second like ESP. It was like mind blowing. Like how does it do that? Anyway, so sorry. <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing, though. Like think about that. You still remember that. Right? Do you remember yeah. what music it was? No it was idea. Always... No, no, no. Okay, that would've been funny though. So I heard. I he goes check this out, and it's it's Five Iron Frenzy's live record, proof that the youth are revolting, um, and it was just like nothing I'd ever heard. It was so different than the stuff that I've listened. To. I grew up, you know, on, on the Beatles and the Eagles and, and the classic rock stuff that my parents raised me on. It's amazing music. And then I heard this, and I was like, what is this? Right. So that that that. That has been very special to me, and I was like, you know, I would love to try to mix one show, and, and that would be a lot of fun. Number two, I would say it's tied Demi Lovato and Taylor Swift. Wow. Because you're just, just this industrial strength pop music, there's nothing like that. I mean, that's, you know, that is arena pop. It's, they're both incredible talents. They're great songwriters. The, the mixes and the recordings are so brilliantly crafted. Great lyrics. Uh, it's just, it's in, it's it's good stuff. It does its job well. Also, I'll put, you know, I'll I've told you this guy, I'll put Carly Rae Jepsen on that list too. Yep. I just enjoy her music. I think it's fun, you know? Um, number one though, Paul McCartney, hands down. I knew that was coming. You knew it was coming because I think like one of my first memories of that I can remember having like this idea of uh, having a memory, right. was like watching Paul McCartney on TV. It must've been like 1993. I was in, like four or five. Right. And, mm he does yesterday and he comes out and he's playing that, you know, 1964 Epiphone Texan acoustic guitar that he still plays to this day. He played on the Ed Sullivan show and he still plays yesterday on that guitar. Now, if you go see him in concert and there's 50,000 people there and everyone is just right there and no one's worried about their bills 
or their money or their divorce or the car or the thing they got to turn in on Monday. That is amazing. And I've never seen anything like that happen. And I was like five. So you have no context when you're five, right? No context for what this is or how historically rare being Paul McCartney is, you know? And I'm just like, that looks cool. And I want to get involved in that at five. So you have no idea about logistics, but I'm just like, you know, and that everything that I've done professionally has really grown out of saying, I want to be a part, whatever that is, Mm -hmm. I want in, you know? And so that's a gig that, Man, I would I would just love to go and like lay cable ramps for that gig, just to be in the room and say that I worked on that gig. You know what I mean? Uh, and I have seen him live, and it's incredible. So, so I I think what's interesting for me is like you're talking about fulfillment, motivation. Why do we do what we do? Because people don't say I want to be a live sound engineer so I can make a ton of money. Right. No one's ever said that. Because <laughs> you know I mean? you, if you want to make a ton of money, I, there's some better options out there for you. I believe our parents probably told us all those options while we were growing up. <laughs> so, so Chris, what you were talking about, when I went to, when I was studying at Berkeley, Livingston Taylor was James's brother, right? Phenomenal singer-songwriter. I did sound he for si- James Taylor. Did you? Yeah. So, so Livingston says, one time. he says, if you went to Harvard... There was a concerted effort that began before you were born for you to go to Harvard. If you went to music school, there was a concerted effort that began before you were born so you wouldn't go to music school. So you and <laughs> right? and that, that's, so that that's you wouldn't go to music school. Right. So, so that's funny, but it's also true. And one time John Mayer came to, to talk to people, and he said something that I think about all the time. And he said... Before you start, define success for yourself. What yes. does success look like to you? Yes. Is it to, to write a Grammy-nominated song? Is it to tune a, a system for a stadium? Is it to mix front of house for uh, you know a, a top 10 pop band? Like, figure out what that is. Because like, if you don't do that, you will always be chasing, and yes. you're never going – you're always looking yes. for the next thing. So now that has changed for me over the years. Yes. You know what I mean? And there's nothing wrong with that. Like what I really wanted to do when I was 20 and what I really want to do now are not the same thing. But it's important to have that kind of step that, that, that the you know, at least it's, it may not be the finish line, but it's the rest stop along the throughway, right? 36 miles in the next rest area. Okay. Like that focus is very important. And without that, you end up, you can end up really feeling motionless at, despite doing amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. You can have a phenomenal career. And be really successful and make good money and support your family and enjoy what you're doing and still feel rudderless because you have no idea what you're working towards. And I think there, so there was another example of like on tour when I got feedback that helped me realize or give me fulfillment in what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So when I was out with Disturbed, I was just, um, you know, monitor tech, stage tech, system tech, or whatever. Um, and and by default, the opening acts on tour, I would end up mixing monitors for those acts. Um, and one of the uh, one of the acts on the particular tour happened to be signed by Disturbed or something like that, right? And so Dan Donegan was always standing side stage, kind of watching his band, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. And he was always over my shoulder, so I didn't have a ton of direct interaction with Dan. Um, he's a guitar player from Disturbed. Uh, on the show because I wasn't mixing for Disturbed or whatever. He kind of saw me around, but not much interaction with him. And, you know, every now and then, like, issues would happen. I remember, like, one night, like, the uh, the 52, you know, 
got kicked over and fell out of the kick drum. So I had to like run out on stage, put the, you know, the typical thing, put the, put the mic back on the kick drum, run back on stage, you know, and then put Sasha's box down (laughs) and leave. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And, but he made a simple comment to me one day, uh, you know, that it just ingrained in my head. He just, Hey, you know, Hey Chris, he's like, I, uh, he's like, I appreciate your attention to detail and like, you're, you're ready to jump in and, and, and take care of things. Um, whenever, like, Hey, I just, I, I appreciate that. Right. Um, and it was, a simple thing he went out of his way to show that mm-hmm. hey he sees that i care about what the fuck i'm doing um and and it stuck with me it's like it solidified like why it is i'm doing what i'm doing like like the the give a shit thing right the i care um and um actually the strange thing that led up to that was uh i don't know if i ever told you guys a story maybe i have we were in some bumfuck city in Texas. I'm about to put the explicit tag on this episode. Um, we were in some <laughs> uh, small. Thank, thank you, Willis. Snow. Yeah. getting uh, getting loose tonight. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> these uh, these eight percent IPAs will do that anyway. Um, we were in like Lubbock, Texas, or somewhere. In, I don't know, somewhere in Texas, some arena that never gets concerts, and uh, the the. The fans were crazy that night, like throwing shoes on stage, doing stupid shit or whatever. Security was awful. Um, and then you got to go home from the concert without shoes on. Why the fuck would you do that? We, we had a, no idea. We, we don't know what these people were. were uh, mind you, the night before, uh, to tie in food, the night before I went out to dinner and there was a primary dish and it was frog legs and quail. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm getting that. So if that helps define where I was in Texas, that, that helps. Anyway. Um, so, some meanwhile, some dude makes it up on stage because security was shit. And now he was just some drunk fan, but he was like, ah, you know, he's like, he's just like up there partying, whatever. So I run out on stage, grab this dude, and pull him off stage, right? And I have I have seen video of this. Incident. Oh, okay, yes. all right. I wasn't sure yes, if I had shared this. It's and, great. and you know the the band. So the context of this was n- less than a year prior to this is when Dimebag Daryl had been shot on stage in some small club or whatever. Some dude walked up on stage, point blank, shot him and his, was it um, him? There's another guy um, from Pantera that got shot uh, on stage. Anyway, um, these guys were super close with, with, with Dimebag. And they were like, after that show that, you know, Dan was like ever grateful, like to, to me, like, dude, we appreciate it. Like, you just never know what's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know how I got here. Um, Hmm. Don't worry. Okay. Neither do I. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. I, it, it, but it's it's really interesting to me, I, and I think this is appropriate time to say thanks to the the uh, the Webster folks for having us out. Super uh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, and I know we'll, that, we'll, we'll post their episode on our feed uh, here soon. Yeah, uh, and they actually just sent me the video of it today, so we do have that. That'll be going up. But um, it's making me think of this: the Sunday morning story time. You know, it's kind of. And and I remember doing it with Kyle, and I know he just you did it again this year, Kyle. Um, and I just eh, think about eh. you didn't do it. Nah, I miss. I had to work. Oh, okay. I, I know you were supposed to do it. Your name was on the thing, so that it was. But nobody watched. Good. N- nice to call him no, out. No, but the, the, no, no, no. I, well, I didn't know. I didn't know you. I wasn't like, watch this. I'm gonna get him. I know he didn't go. Uh, but Kyle and I have done that panel in the past, and to me it's really interesting and it's really important to do that stuff and to talk about the road stories because there's this tribal aspect to what we do where the field yeah. is so young, a lot of it's not written down yet, and a lot of this is living history. And I know, Chris, that's really important. The project that you're working on is to try to preserve that 
to preserve these stories. They are the root of this culture and why we do what we do and how to pay that forward. And so, you know, as much as we love getting into the technical stuff, this stuff is really important. And so that kind of connects back to the mentorship conversation where, you know, where we had uh, actually, you know, the, the episode hasn't come out yet. So kind of a little spoiler, but we were talking to, to Craig Porter uh, talking about when he started tour management, he had to go and leave a voicemail from a payphone and explain, you know, put the merch numbers on the voicemail and fax the, the information, you know, just the context of kind of how we got where we are is really, really important. And it's just intimately connected with, with what we do today and why we do it. And, and so I think it's a, it's a great disservice to overlook that stuff. So I think, I think it's great to hear the war stories. You know? I love the stories, man. I, I think that's what intrigues me the most. And you, you probably answered my question or the question to me where like, what's your dream gig? I think any gig's a dream gig because you're going to walk away with it with another chapter in your life that you just like, it's, it's even hard to explain to other people what you do. You know, it's like, what you were in Japan and ate where at that Anthony Bourdain sushi place, like where they hand you the piece. Like there's so many stories that like, I, I, I can't, I can't say I haven't had a dream gig. I will say this Portugal, the man I did mountain in the cloud tour. And, um, I enjoyed that a lot, but I wish I would have done Woodstock. That album is amazing. Like, mm. I love every song off that thing. Um, so when you talk about your dream gig, I'd love to do a Portugal The Man gig now to see how they've matured because the music is so much more mature than it was. And not to say that stuff wasn't good. Like, they put on a show every night. Sure. And it was amazing. But just to see their growth. And, and the same when I was out with Boys Like Girls. Like, um, fun gig. Like, I loved it. I, I wasn't really into the music, but I made myself into it, and it was a dream gig. But Martin's writing new stuff now, and I'm like, man, I want to go out and do a show for Martin because yeah. the new night game stuff is amazing. Like, um, but like you said, the stories make the gig, and that's the dream. And I live the dream. It's a stupid cliche saying, man, but I, I keep living the dream. Like, if if I get a job next week at a church or i get a job you know at another home depot like i'm living the dream right now like it's a story that i can tell my daughter it's a story i can tell other engineers and people on the podcast it's like all those things were dreams to me because i can't believe i did have that shit i mean that's all i got is stories right now well, do, I think do, you about... think, do you think the most introspective thing that people need to do coming out of covid coming back into the industry is answer that question for themselves. Why do you do what you do? And if you're not doing because of that, you probably should find something else. I don't know. I think that's a little harsh because you got oh, to get it. Sorry. I let me rephrase that. Not you should find something else, but okay. Define why do you do what you do and lean into that? Let me, yeah. Let me, rem uh, remember, sorry. remember I, why it, why it is that we do this. I was texting with Willa today. And, you know, we're talking about most of our friends have had to find other things to do. And it's really funny to me and it's very endearing to me that for us, right, people who do what we do, it's a horrifying thought to have to go and just work a job that we don't like. Because like, right. it's so much in our blood to do this because we love it that 
like, oh man, I gotta go, you know, stock shelves somewhere, or I gotta go work at the local bowling alley, whatever. It's, like those are horror shows for us. Not that we we're gonna do whatever we need to do to 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 keep rolling, obviously. But you know, to me, it's it that's very telling that that's you know it, this sort of an implicit like oh that's hell because I'm not I'm not not that the job sucks but that I'm not doing this thing that I'm passionate about and for us we all understand why that's such a bummer and I think back about you know like I said I talk about it all the time uh, with with uh, my my colleague Bill you know he owns the production company here in town I've been working with him since I was 14 years old so we're coming on two decades working together next year um, which is amazing. And it's so funny when we do shows, we don't really talk to each other anymore because we've been working together so long that I know what he's going to do and, and he knows what I'm going to do. And so we don't really have to talk that much. But when we think back, when we go out and we sit down and have lunch or whatever, and we think back, like the, the way we remember gigs is not like, hey, do you remember how good that band was? We're, we're, we're remember it by, hey, that was the one where they got the motor stuck and the guy had to climb up and then he got his pants caught on the bolt. Or that was the one where, you know, we had one where we had a stagehand and Bill said, hey, see these pipe and drape? Okay, he said, take those out in the hall. And the guy did. And then he just stayed out in the hall because we didn't say, and then come back when you're done, right? So, like, the, those are the things that, those are kind of how the mental index of the shows works for us. We remember these funny things, these interactions, these people we were working with. You know, we did one festival, and one, one of the guys on the on the crew was, like, 360 pounds, and they had one of those uh, recreational climbing walls that you can go and pay and we were all betting, you know, trying to, he, he was like, yeah, I can climb to the top of that, no problem. We're like, dude, no, you can't. <laughs> so everyone was betting on whether or not I was going to make it, you know. And so we just laughed so hard thinking back on all these goofy things we used to do with the crew. And, hey, do you remember that time I got yelled at because I took the whole box of fruit snacks back to the trailer? Like, um, that that to me is is a really nice kind of focus on why why we do that because that's what sticks in our mind about this, not how, how great that band sounded. Like, sure, we, we love that. But, but to me, it's, it's the camaraderie, being out there with the crew, working with the other people that are passionate about the same stuff. So back to Chris's question, it, yeah. I think the harsh thing is is that you are your only judge of that, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, like I was talking to you guys offline about, hey, should I take this job as tech director? Or should I just walk in as an audio engineer? You know, it's almost a comfort level thing. Like, uh, not that I can pick or choose at the moment, but like, I think I can only be the judge of myself and I'm not going to take on something that's going to be ridiculous. Like, I really can't say, oh, I can't commit to a 12 month tour, whole album cycle or whatever the case, case be. Um, uh, so I think I would definitely know if it's harsh and I just need to get out right away. Um, if, if money came down to money and it, it's a 12 month tour and I'd be away from my family for that long, I probably have to say no, you know? Um, so, but that's, that's a great point part. that you and you alone, it's like the Smokey the Bear of, of touring. Only you can decide whether or not that set of circumstances makes sense for you or not. I, you know, someone, Wes and I, you know, we talk a lot about when we, we have our weekly meetings, how much she should be charging and, you know, what, what is his time worth? And at the end of the day, I can't answer what your time is worth, right? Hey, you know, they, they want me to go do this gig and it's going to take this long and they're only offering this month. Is it worth it? I don't know. You tell me. I don't know what the variables are for you. If you're absolutely miserable the whole time, and then, 
you know, that something to consider. If it's an artist you really want to work with, that's something to consider. You know what I mean? If it's going to put you away from your daughter's birthday party or something, that's something to consider. There are a lot of variables beyond the, the dollars and cents that go into the spreadsheet yeah. that can tell you whether or not it's worth it for you. And so I think just the mindfulness of why we do what we do and what's important to us and what's not important to us, that's a good thing to keep in mind as we go back. I'll, that would be my lens on your comment, Chris. I, I would love to work for a manufacturer again. You know, someone I can stand behind and really like. I, I think both manufacturers that I work for and manufacturers I've worked with mm-hmm. in previous, you know, whether I was just using their product or whatever the case may be, I think that's where I put my best effort forth, you know, um, is being with clients and engineers out doing the thing and doing product specialist type stuff. Um, I really enjoyed doing loudspeakers with Bose. Uh, it gave me a new whole skill set to look at. I really enjoyed doing consoles with Midas, but um, I'd, I'd love to do microphones. I'd love to do possibly plugins you know something that i can really get behind i think that would be my my dream gig after this is um teaching again i i really enjoy teaching um i enjoy doing classes and learning expos and not that i really like trade shows or whatever the case may be because tell you what 95 percent of the people that go there are just salespeople looking for their next gig yeah Um, but you wouldn't believe how many people have said to me Oh man, I've been listening to the show or oh you have a show with Kyle? That's crazy. I took his Midas class in Vegas back in fucking two thousand one. Like whatever. Like the number of people who learn from you and remember yeah. it and say, Man, that that was such a great class, he taught me so much, or he saved my ass on a gig. The impact that, that your teaching has had on so many people, that your instruction or whatever, um, that's a huge thing. And it's not unlike what you were just talking about about how the artist, you know, makes an impact on, on the audience. I mean, you have a a same dynamic there where you're able to give people something that they carry with them for a long time. I, really I'd like cool. to do local production again too. Cause I'm back in St. Louis and I think that I could really help out some of the people that are working through here to get to the next level. Like sure. uh, I'd love to try out my, you know, Hey, I'm the site dude. Let's do mm-hmm. the show, you know, yeah. from festivals to bar gigs to whatever it is. I don't know. It, it's a really weird time to be even thinking about it. Like, uh, no, but it's an appropriate time. Stresses to me about out. It. Stressing Things me are, out. <laughs> it's got a. It's a necessary. It's a necessary conversation to have at least with yourself. You know, I was texting with Jason Moore today, and he's like, "Hey, man, you know, train's starting to. We're booking some gigs. That all of twenty twenty two is booked." He's like, "We're doing some corporate stuff again." He's like, and he goes, "I needed it. I needed it." He's like, "I needed this." So. This is it's this is the time. I'm starting to you know my calendar's starting to populate. So Dude, I talked to a guy yesterday who's um a local guy here but he does like big festival shows like he's doing the NFL draft and they're yeah. he goes and does crazy stuff, Bonnaroo, whatever. He, he's there small, small at, shows, yeah. And and <laughs> he talked to a guy yesterday that was a TM of a band and the techs of a band all got jobs driving fine art from LA to New York and stopping in between to drop off the fine art. And all of the guys he talked to that were doing that job now during COVID said, they're probably not going back to the road. 
that this is their new thing. That's a, that's a whole other episode right there. But I, yeah, I, that's yeah. a, I, I, uh, man, there was another person I heard about the other day too. Is like they, um, you know, wondering if they're available, and it's like they're doing X gig, and they might not come back. Like that's a whole another. I hate the whole like speculation of what's coming, what how things are going to work out, yeah. this that, and the other. But like. That's a very interesting topic of people who have had to. And I fucking hate this word since we're using the f bomb on this on this episode. The you word are. pivot. I know. I'm talking about myself. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but uh, that the word like people who had to I mean, had to make a living. Like it. I mean, you know, it's funny. So real quick. So retrospectively, this time last year, right? So a, a year ago, we were like, we were like, oh, this thing's gonna last like a couple weeks. Let's hurry up and let's let's get as many people we can. We were doing two episodes a week because we're like, oh man, these people are going to be home for just a little bit. We got to interview everybody real quick, and then like a month after, we're like, fuck, we're burnt out. We're interviewing two times a week, right? Um, anyway, uh, and we mentioned during that time we had like a money thing of like, oh, you know, you should be prepared to not be without work for like a month or two, right? That was reasonable, which, right? Which which is yeah. good advice, by the way. Let's let's agree, yeah. but. I don't care who the fuck you are, yeah. but a year into this, you can't be prepared for a year sure. without work. I don't care yes. how financially savvy you were, right? Okay. So there is no freaking shame in having gotten any side gig or whatever. And this goes back to, at the end of the day, like, you know, I saw a post today, and I know I'm not supposed to engage in this stuff, but I did on Facebook uh -oh. of, like, uh -oh. of, um... Oh, no. Was it in our group? This is the pot stirrer right here. No, 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 Another asshole stirred this up. I oh, okay. chose Let's... to feed into it and challenge so we're gonna, him. We're going to cultivate positivity here on the Signal Noise Podcast. Whatever. Um... Uh, no, so... <laughs> Kyle's um... got to get a smudge stick going. No, 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 so... So homeboy said uh, he was like uh, attention roadies go get a real job um, you know uh, well, we don't, great we don't great when you're young but it's not a life space to assholes we no no no, no 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 hold on I, but the point was is like you know at the end of the day you have to provide for your family right you have sure. to you have to make shit happen and so um, it's going to be a very interesting thing of the people who are just at a point where you know. Does it make sense to go back? And, sure. you know, I, I guess the positive spin I would put back onto it is like the retrospectively of like, why do we do what we do? Um, intrinsically lean into that. Um, if that is what mentally drives you and is going to sustain you, please come back. Um, and at the same time, um, Please take what's in consideration for your family first. I would always well, it's, so it's what we just said. You know, it, it, there's some cocktail of factors there that at the end of the day, only you can decide for yourself. Correct. But but you know, it's it's an important time now to give that some thought. But let's um, talk about that. So okay, the 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 shift, the great shift. I mean, that was the thing on LinkedIn for the first three months of this thing, and uh, I don't think it's inherently bad. Because I think a lot of us had to think out of the box. I know I did. I had to write a CV and I wanted to put skills that I had from all these things that I have done to give to someone at a corporate level or a different level or a retail level or whatever the case may be, whatever I was trying for at the time, that I wouldn't get to an interview room and they go, oh, you toured with Melissa Etheridge last <laughs> summer. How is that? How is she? Oh, like... Because I think that was a different way to think about how we do our gig. 
you know, because there's so much stuff that we pick up from doing the road, from doing a production company, from being a house person, from working for a manufacturer, like that we don't even think about that we are skilled in that we need to tell future employers that may not understand what our business is. Because a lot of us, a lot of the employers out there, and I'm going to go ahead and say this out loud, think we're a fucking joke. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we're still roadies. We're still stoner idiots that ride around with the band and set up the gear. Like they don't know what goes into it. They think that's in the arena. Every time they go to the arena, they don't know that's a new PA every time, you know, um, they listen to iPods, you know what I, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so explaining to future employers that might not be in that part of the business, we, I, I should say, I had to think outside of the box on how to explain to an employer what I know how to do and what I don't know how to do. And I, I think that's helpful. It really was. It helped me just writing it down. Yeah. Um, it, it, it made me think, wow. I could really run a McDonald's by myself. So, you know, maybe I could be a supervisor at a McDonald's soon. We'll see. Or you could stay at Home Depot and work your way up and oh, own that yeah. shit someday, man. There's people there that just are hourly forever. You know what I see that. in your future, though? Here's the thing, though, because I used to go to the hardware store. There's always one super old dude at the service <laughs> counter. And you're like, hey, I'm trying to build this. And he's like, here's what you want to do. You want to get one of these here? You want to screw it? Like, the guy that knows how to build everything? I think you could you could be that guy, Kyle. Oh, I'm, I'm working on the greeter position where you talk <laughs> to everybody. Because that's one of the things that you learn is people skills, right? Your soft sure. skills. Sure. And you notice, and I hate to put it in this perspective, but if you talk, you are who you surround yourself with. And I surrounded myself with a lot of smart people for a very long time. They were smart at different things, but communication was a key because you had to sell yourself. You know what I mean? You had to be able to talk to any group of people, whether you're working at a house of worship or you're working on a, on a punk rock tour. Like if you can relate with every level of people, you've already made it further than half the people that work in those kind of gigs. And, I still do. Like, I love making a customer smile if they bought a fucking weed whacker. Like, I have no, that. You, you, he, he texts us all. He texts, hey, I sold two chainsaws today. Like, and and yeah. it's like, yeah, man, go get it, you know? It, so you it, solve somebody's problem, man. That, and, I made cool. a, and I made him smile, and I told some yeah. jokes or whatever. And, like, but I, I see that with, and I'm very humble because I, I'm glad to be doing what I do, and I'm glad to be working with such a good group of people. But, um, you use your skills and your abilities to what you can. And I think writing that stuff down in this whole COVID period sure. going, Hey, what do I really have? You know? And I ended up having a bunch of stuff and it made me better. So we'll see what happens once this stuff stuff going back. Like Chris said, I don't, I don't want to speculate. I don't want to get into speculation right now. Um, live for today. I, I lit my sage. I know we're late on time, whatever, you know, the proverbial time clock, but I, I was thinking about this and I'll put you guys on the spot and I want to see what your guys question this because this is in terms of post-COVID. So let's right. say you have a scenario if you had a mentee uh, and the question was, hey, I've been doing the regional sound thing. I want to get into touring, right? Aside from the cynical response of don't, um, 
and 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 that person happens to live in a B or C market. In other words, they're not in Nashville. They're not, you know, they're not near a Claire or a, a, a Shoco or an Eighth Day, right? They're not in those markets, right? If they want to tour, um, coming out of COVID, as competitive as whatever the nature is going to be in terms of all the people who were touring who were trying to vie for the job, and now people who are trying to come into the industry and want to fight for that job. What advice or approach would you give to that person to pursue trying to get into touring in those contexts? Atypical, said, atypical yeah, question. Like that's yeah. pretty much the first question that you yeah. get usually. Um, I always say work with the local production company, work with the local venue that does do the shows that come through. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a great example of that. I worked in Springfield, Missouri, which was a, a C market at best, you know, you were either on the way up or the way out because it was 600 cap or no, 750 cap. So one week we'd have minute work. One week we would have uh, disturbed, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it, it was cool to put yourself in that situation. And that's how I got my first gig was yep. the headliners engineer failed miserably the band was out listening to the opening band that i mixed and then after the show they asked me what i was doing tomorrow mm -hmm. you know um and the same and, thing and that by the way that is not a like a freak that shit happens all all the, the time, time. <laughs> yeah and and then i started uh, when i wasn't doing that i was touring with a local band in st louis that was booking their own shows and their own tours called not waving but drowning and I met so many people. We were on that was the Zayo tour. That was Zayo Living Sacrifice nice. and the Ludacris at the time. And uh, I ended up doing for sound record, for all not, of them. Not rap Ludacris. Ludacris became Norma Jean. But anyway, correct. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that put me in a different you know echelon of people. Like Poison the Well came to the town, so I got to go mix Poison the Well. Like they were huge at the time for right. a hardcore band. Um, and then just being submersing yourself in it. And then you have to tell the person that asked that question, you don't get to pick your artist. That that always comes up, you know. Oh, I can't wait to work for Lana Del Rey. Guess what, bud? You're not going to do it. Right. Not right now. Um, and I think the other thing is, is then you have to talk about what market is closest to you or what you feel comfortable with. Because I'm sure all of us on, on this show have said oh man i should move to nashville i should be moved to new york i should move to la i i should move to san francisco you know where the rehearsal studios are where that thing happens because if you look on bobnet or any of the other roadie websites that are looking for gigs they're always like hey is there a local san diego person that could come out and do some rehearsals or hey do you want to drive some gear from here to here like nobody says that in Paducah, Iowa, or Kentucky. <laughs> That's Kentucky, you know? yeah, it's all good. Yeah, wherever it is. Yeah. But you got to think about, is that a good move to make? And maybe you need to have some stuff underneath your belt before you make that move. Because I know a lot of people that went home. It's like the same thing when you get a tour. I know a lot of people that went on tour, and they couldn't sleep on a bus. And guess mm -hmm. what? That was their last tour. Yeah. I knew a lot of people that went on tour and got addicted to drugs and alcohol. And that was their last tour. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I know even more people 
that went on tour and lost their family or lost the person that they loved. Like, I don't know how many times I've walked through a parking lot and I was that dude too that was getting screamed at by their significant other because I wasn't home with them. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of variables and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. Like, no, no. So I, I, so the perspective that I gave on this to this person that I was trying to talk to was, and this goes back to what I said earlier, figure it, yeah, the, figure out where you're trying to go first. In other words, um, if you are trying to be a system tech, then absolutely you're going to have to go to a town that has a company and get in with that company because starting off as a freelance system tech, you're never going to make it, right? So if your goal is to be a system tech, you need to get in with a company, grow yourself within the company, a Claire, a Shoko, uh, well, Shoko doesn't exist, whatever, sound image, doesn't matter, right? Eighth day, you need to get in there, do your time, work your way up to get there. Um, if your goal is to become a front of house engineer, then the market the path that you had said of get your first gig where you showed yourself at a local local dive bar, local club, that local re- regional artist says, hey, this guy's cool. Bring him with us on this van tour, word of mouth, get you to the next door, get you next door, get you next door, and, and so forth. Um, if you want to be a monitor engineer, I still say go the path of um, most artists in the vans aren't carrying a monitor engineer. So if you're a monitor engineer, you go to a sound company, you do your time. Uh, sound companies are going to put monitor engineers in place. You get a name for yourself. Then you can launch yourself into a career being a monitor engineer. So it's all about recognizing that path of where you want to go. There's not one simple, easy answer on this um, combined with the competitiveness of the market when we turn. Um, so I, anyway, I just want to hear your thoughts on that because it's, it's a it's a tricky question depending on the avenue you wanted to go. So I don't know if you want to weigh in on this at all, Michael, but. Uh, I'm ready for my nap. That's oh, really sorry. what it is. No, but uh. I think it's, a, it's a definitely an important topic. I mean, uh, that whole thing about you're the local person and the band comes through and says, wow, you know, you're the either the, the, the first person we've worked with all month that wasn't a jackass or you got a good results or yes, Chris. Sorry. The other <laughs> thing I want to throw, the nugget I want to throw in there, think long-term. This is a long play game. Working at a club, getting those, you know, you might be doing van tours for five years before you're in the theater level. This all goes back to why are you doing what you're doing? As long as you are paying your bills and working towards that and getting fulfilled in that time frame, fine. You know, um, and some people, look, they're in that warp tour, van tour, theater level tour for a whole career, make a fine living, and that is all good if your goal is to get towards being you know uh carly ray jepson and katie perry that's a whole different trajectory and path and avenue to go so i encourage you to think long term and what it's going to take to get there long term not don't where you know it's not i'm not going to get from 200 cap club to katie perry in two years not happening um so anyway i think that's a fine place to leave it honestly and I think, I'd... I think everybody needs to send in. You know, if, if this is this is a spar to the mentorship thing as well. You know, this is the stuff that we do talk about with the people that yep. that connect with us, and we do have a whole network of folk that are willing to jump on this. You know, I I think there's opportunity for everyone, especially post COVID. Like, there's going to be 
tons of shows. There's going to be tons of availability. There's going to be tons of, I don't know about money. We'll, we'll, we'll not speculate there either, but this is what we do and why we do it. Or at least for me, it is like, um, I'd rather spread the information so you have a better understanding than for it not for it just be, Oh, I'm jumping in feet right. first. Like it's about challenging methodical introspective thinking. Those are the primary things in my opinion on mentorship, you know, would be challenging someone to think like, I don't have the answer, the answers for you, but I know the questions for, to ask you for you to think and process. So I don't, I don't have your answers, but I can give you the questions to pull out the answer for yourself out of that. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe that's just me. I don't know. But, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of thought-provoking stuff here that we talked about, a lot of really important stuff. Send us your comments. Michael wants to go your... to bed. No, it's, I, I, <laughs> I, I just do don't too. have anything to add. I, I think eat. we've covered a lot of stuff. I think it's probably overwhelming. It's yeah. no, definitely an overwhelming that's time based on the people I've been talking to. So uh, feel free to, like, pause this episode in the middle and take a break, you know, get a snack. <laughs> take a breather. Yeah, go for a, a walk. A little intermission. Um, but I do want to revisit some of this and expand upon it in the future. And obviously, uh, everyone reach out to us. Let us know your thoughts on this stuff. And we, you know, we love hearing about it. So, um, but that's, you know, that's cool, man. I dig it. Good, good chat, boys. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, buddy. Thanks for having us.